is not just this building, but it's this house, right. this house of clay. That's where the Father desires to dwell. God bless you. Welcome to the service this evening. We want to welcome you all. And why don't you just wave at somebody around you? Wish them God's blessing. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to the day we can hug each other and just give a good hearty handshake and I believe we're going to have it. Amen. Didn't we have a good time this morning? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Back in the office, Brother Harold had said to Brother Darren, that was a convention style message. Must be. We've had people come in from Grand Prairie, from Saskatchewan. They heard about the convention. Some even came from Beaumont. Anyway. <laughs> oh, good to see you, Brother Menno. 
You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask Brother Menno if he could just come up and greet the people and maybe just say a few words. And, you know, and, and you know what? Brother Menno is, is very gifted. He could say more than a few words. He could sing a few words, too. So why don't you have your seats as Brother Menno just comes up and greets us. You don't mind. Yes, I'd like to take my text from Genesis. <laughs> Greetings to you all. It's good to be here. It, uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, first of all. It's good to be here in Edmonton. Kind of sparse the way it, uh, yeah, I know what you're looking at. <laughs> Spread all over. Usually this place is packed out. And uh, today, just a little ventilated across, but the Lord is still the same. He doesn't change. He's the unchanging God. We're, we're always happy, always good to be here. We snuck in a little bit, but that's, that's part of, by now he knows me, see. So we just uh, took a little break and, and uh, you know, we haven't traveled much. I don't think many people have traveled much since, since March. And uh, got, we got home at the end of March or middle of March, rather beginning. And, and so we've just been at home and plugging away like you do here. So God bless you. It's good to be here tonight and I'm looking forward to here, my brother, I'm, I didn't know you were here, so it's good. God bless you. How many wants to hear a song? I, I stand amazed in the presence. How marvelous, do you know that song? Give me a key, I don't know it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. A little higher, if you Do you want me to use this one? Where's the sound? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And I wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned unclean garden he prayed not my will but thine he had no tears for his own griefs but sweat drops of blood for mine isn't that truth oh how marvelous Yes. Mm -hmm. 
wonderful as uh, David the psalmist or rather scripture said that in the Psalms that the stone that was rejected has become the head of the corner he said altogether marvelous said the prophets it's marvelous it is wonderful this is the day that the Lord has made we'll be glad and rejoice in it God bless you all I'll turn the service back Good to have Brother Menno here. Amen. Just wanted to quickly make mention, I'll maybe let Brother Darren talk about it, but uh, Brother Darren uh, had a burden for his family and his children. I'll let him share it, but he put together a little devotion journal. And uh, it, it, has, uh, it has all the messages in it in a daily form, something to go through. And I, I just want to say I'll let him speak on it, but... God bless him for his labors. And uh, sometimes these things are done, they're not done openly, they're not done with great fanfare, but they serve the kingdom of God. And I wanna just say thank you to Brother Darren for that, and I'll let him make some comments on it. Well, we're going to turn the service. That was a masterpiece this morning. I, I thank God for the message, and I would like to just say, a service like that isn't a message just done by man. But that could only come, you've heard the phrase, the open book. I believe that a message and that kind of an anointing to bring that out can only come because God has opened a book in this last day. And there are men of God that are feeding on the open book. And when they do, it brings out truths that no enemy can stand before. I'll tell you, the enemy sure was tread down this morning. Oh, my. I want to say, they asked Brother Branham a question. Will the bride have a ministry, the bride of Christ, have a ministry before the rapture? Questions and answers on the seals. Sure. That's what's going on right now. The bride of Christ, it's the message of the hour. The bride of Christ, she consists of apostles prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Is that right? That's the bride of Christ. She's got a ministry, a great ministry, the ministry of the hour. And he concludes it with these statements, it'll be so humble. Oh, isn't God good? Let's stand on our feet. We're going to invite our brother Darren to come. We're going to allow him just to take and have his liberty. I know he took his liberty this morning, and, uh, but we, we want him to just feel at home. And we sure enjoyed the word this morning. Since I saw my name in the book of redemption. Since I saw my name in the book of redemption. Since I saw my name in the book. I
some of that wondrous, marvelous love is with us tonight, I believe in that it will be, and um, certainly appreciate those that I know, and if I haven't got to know you, I look forward to one day soon getting to know you, uh, appreciate the Christian fellowship and love with the redeemed bride of Christ here in, here in uh, End Time Message Tabernacle, God bless you, and um, I'll speak just a bit, maybe just have your seats just for a moment, because I don't know how long I'll be. Um, this, this uh, but it's very simple, but what I noticed, uh, it's, it's this collection of messages, all the messages from 1958 when Brother Branham preached Serpent Seed to 1965, and there's a little tiny spot for notes for every message. And every single one of them, it's got a number. It starts at one and it goes up. There's 306, I think. 602, excuse me. Um, 602 messages from 1958 to 1965. What I noticed, even though we have a small church, is that we had a few believers come in and we had some young people that were coming up. And their way of accessing the message was completely different than the way I accessed the message. When I first came in, I found these blue books. They gave them to me. They were from End Time Message Tabernacle. And I read these books, and they were just a blessing to me. And I remember being very frustrated when every single book I picked up, I'd already read it, and I couldn't find any new ones. So I went through, I realized at one point, I went through all of them, and then I started listening to tapes. And you know, it used to be you'd take out a rack of tapes, and you got down the line. I don't know if anybody uh, under, knows what I mean here, but you used to go through them, and you'd bring your tapes back, and then you would take out the ones that were below that. Does anyone remember doing that? A few of us? And so you'd, you'd go through it, and then you'd say, well, I want the next ones. And, and you kind of went through, it was very common to go through it in a logical structure. But when I noticed it was when you're downloading messages from electronic devices or two electronic devices, you know, you can download this one and that one. It's all instant. But when I'd ask, you know, what have you listened to? Some people couldn't remember. Well, I'm not sure if I listened to that. Well, have you gone through this? Well, I'm not sure. And it became very difficult to track what have you listened to. Not that I would ask, but sometimes people want to um, uh, just, you know, you, you want to fellowship on the things of God, and it, it, it wasn't important to me, but I knew it would help them if they could go through the message like I went through the message. And I found that even, you know, when you had the discs not too long ago, you'd finish one disc, and you'd take it out, and you'd put in another disc, and a lot of times you'd go through it in sequence. But nowadays, it's not so straightforward, or it doesn't seem to be. So all this is, is just a paper record of all the messages, and it's meant for new believers or for young Christians, and when they've gone through this from 1958 to 1965, they can maybe say, I know what Brother Branham said. I know the fundamental teachings. Or they can say, I've listened to the message on my own. That's the burden behind it. And so nowadays, you don't print books. You... Um, you get Amazon to print them. And so the way they've set it up is that uh, somebody can just go to Amazon and order one book, and then they print one book and ship it to you. 
And if you want three books, they print three and ship it to you. So it is a full-color book. I didn't realize that's full-color books. They're more expensive. So we have them uh, that way, but it's hopefully the full color will help make it a little valuable to youth and make it feel like okay, I can get involved in this and I can go through the messages. Does that, does that make sense? So we have a sample here, some of the minister brothers. I was able to bring them a sample. And um, if it's a blessing to someone, that, that's wonderful. And, and um, uh, we just hope that's what it is. We, if anything comes from it, we'd use it for missions. It's not really for personal gain. It's just for something to serve the body of Christ. Um, and I'm, fi- I'm happy to have it done. Um, so let's stand and let's take our Bibles. And I would like to start in Genesis. <laughs> I was hoping you would preach, brother. <laughs> I really was. We'd like to start with Genesis and believe it's the third chapter. No, excuse me. Genesis 1 and then verse 26. And let's also pray together. O faithful God, Lord, you're the faithful and the true witness, and you promised where two or three are gathered, there you would be in our midst. And Father, we pray for grace before you this evening that our shortcomings and our lack of uh, grasping your will and your leadership, Lord, would be under the blood this evening. And Lord, there would be mercy upon the throne of grace, and we would receive that mercy while it's still a mercy seat. Lord God, may we, as has been said already, may we approach these things humbly, just desiring your spirit to be present amongst us and to be the leadership in the service and May you direct it to believing hearts that it could just be your words, our spirit, and life. And may they be that once again this evening. We ask for your sweet presence to be amongst us in the building, in the connections that are part of this service tonight. Lord, let there be a pull of faith from those homes and those places that are gathered that is so real. We feel it even in this place. And may our, may our desire to see your spirit move, we just pray, Lord, that it would bring an atmosphere in every consecrated gathering, uh, remote or here. And Father, you would be glorified in everything. We look to you and we ask these mercies. Pray that you bless the, the churches back home. And, uh, and Lord, may you watch over these things, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. In verse 26 of Genesis 1, and God said, let, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air 
and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And blessed them, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And one more place, if we could, let's turn also to Revelation. Brother Ed closed the service mentioning this scripture, and I would like to just read it. In Revelation, the chap chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sung a new song. There was something that God had done that just gave them a reason to rejoice. They sung a new song saying, thou art, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Amen. Please take your seats. My subject this evening is holy fire. And I would like to, I like to uh, establish that the same, the same uh, conditions that produce the Garden of Eden are present today to give the believer power to overcome and to see a, a, a spirit of fellowship and harmony with that Holy Spirit in this vessel, in our, in our vessels that God has redeemed. And, um, and so the Bible starts in Genesis um, uh, just a little bit earlier in I think the second verse, and it said, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so it, when, the, when the Spirit of God was moving, it, it said the earth was without form and void. So there was a period where, you know, it was before there was light, it was before there was form, and it was uh, just without any life, and the Spirit of God moved, and we know that that would be the pillar of fire. It would have been brooding over the earth, just the same as the prophet described the creation of, of uh, from, from the beginning, God building a creation. And so the pillar of fire was moving across the earth, and it was 
it was placing and it was, it was uh, moving and it was uh, desiring that it would bring forth according to his thoughts. And then, um, I'm just looking for something here, excuse me. That's okay. Don't, don't, um, oh, great. I forgot my whole slides tonight. So this is not, this is no big obstacle to not find this. Um, but Brother Mark graciously went back and got them. So the, uh, the Spirit of God was moving, and here we have, I'll just test it. That's a laser, and that's forward. Okay. Spirit of God is moving and the pillar of fire is, is brooding. And, and this evening when I, when I present, I have a, uh, we know this isn't a natural fire. This is holy fire. And so natural fire, um, I, it, it requires certain ingredients. And somebody might understand or know through science what those ingredients are. You have to have heat or, or you have to have a, a fuel. And there's, I think, three components to, to make fire. But this isn't natural fire that we're speaking of. We're speaking of holy fire. And so for it to be present, it needs certain ingredients to be in place, and God has to uh, will that, that it would be uh, to be present, and then the conditions have to be right for, for that fire to burn. And in this presentation tonight, I haven't made the fire orange, I've made it green. Because when Brother Branham described the pillar of fire, he described it a burning amber and emerald. And so to just help. Uh, help us see that this is a holy fire that we're speaking of tonight. I've chosen a, a kind of an emerald color. And when that pillar of fire was done brooding over the earth and it was finished, the artist, when he thought of what was left in Eden, you know, it produced something like this. It just transformed what was what was without form and void, and when the artist tried to capture it, you know, it's everything is in perfect bloom, and everything is in perfect uh, health and strength, and there, there's a harmony there, there's a lion uh, down with the rest of the animals, and nobody's in fear, and nobody's hunting, uh, and you know, the water's peaceful, and the weather is pleasant. And the, and the pillar of fire kept brooding. And as it was brooding, you notice in there it said it gave man dominion. And it gave man dominion again. And God said, here, here's this, and here's that. And, and it's a pillar of fire producing this same Eden uh, that, that, that came here. Now it's just continuing on in its work. And, and when it was uh, finished, you know, one artist, he, he captured it like this. He said... Well, here's Adam, and he, he doesn't know he's even naked. He's just, um, you know, when God first made him, he, he made him a spirit. And so here we have the artist capturing him in, in flesh. But as a spirit, or even in, in flesh, there was a harmony that, the, uh, that was present. As, as God gave Adam that dominion from that holy fire that was brooding, now all of a sudden, you know, he had, he had perfect harmony with his whole creation. And he had uh, perfect fellowship. 
there was, you know, we see the horse and the lion there with him. And, you know, the, the horse isn't fearful. And the lion is uh, just in fellowship with Adam and the, and, the, and the parrot. The artist, you know, captured the parrot. Whether it was like this or, or whether it was different, we know that in Eden there was just a, a perfect love that was present. As a pillar of fire was brooding, there was just a, a real godly love there that Adam didn't know anything other than love. Right. He, he just, everything was a perfect fellowship. And, and it wasn't really like there was health because all Adam knew was life. All, all he knew was health. He never knew a sickness. So it was beyond health. It was just eternal. It was just perfect. As a pillar of fire was brooding now, everything was in harmony, everything was at rest, everything had its place. There was nothing that wondered, did it belong here or, or what's happening? It was just settled and it was established. And this is what God originally gave Adam. This was his original inheritance. And he, he established him there and and then as it, we know that he gave him an Eve, and Eve was a helpmate, and the Eve was, <clears throat> uh, was deceived. And the Bible says that they began to know good and evil. Adam always knew, all he knew was good. It wasn't the good that was the trouble, it was the evil. And when the evil came, it broke that perfect harmony. It broke that love, it broke that fellowship. So the very same Adam and Eve, when the artist, different artist maybe, he can, tries to understand how this might look, he paints it like this. Okay, Adam came down and the Bible says that the pillar of fire um, well, it doesn't say the pillar of fire, but Brother Branham would describe, it says, the Lord walked in the cool of the evening to fellowship with Adam. And, and we know Brother Branham heard the angel of the Lord walk out from the pillar of fire, and he heard footsteps as it came. So if that God was going to fellowship with Adam, he would fellowship with him from a pillar of fire if he was going to do it like he did it with Brother Branham. And God doesn't change, so we have, we have expectation that there, there was something like that taking place in Eden. And it, it might be different, but when that, when that sin happened and, and they fell, you know, now this is what Adam and Eve, they, this, they might not have looked like this, but this is kind of a conception of what happened once they knew evil. Adam is hold, holding his head in shame and and Eve has got bags under her eyes, and, and she's looking at Adam, are you going to be okay? And, you know, now there's, there's questions that come up. And there's, there's negativity that is present. And we know that, that sickness and, and time began to be introduced, and, and troubles began to be introduced. Adam was dependent now upon the sweat of his brow to, to provide. And, and Eve, in sorrow, she'll bring forth children. Everything had changed because there was now an, an evil that had been introduced. And, and, and what I want to emphasize here is that in Genesis 3, the Bible says that God put a flaming sword there to separate them from the tree of life 
Well, the tree of life, the one that had created the whole thing, was the pillar of fire. It was the Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters. And so there was a separation between Adam and that holy fire. And when that separation occurred, then there was all this trouble that began to take place. And, and so they, they couldn't go back. They couldn't go back to that perfect fellowship. There was a, uh, God made a way for a, a partial fellowship by the blood of a lamb, but that could not bring the conditions right for that pillar of fire to be present and so they they lost the feeling of harmony they lost the feelings of love that they once had uh, uh, like they enjoyed and that perfect fellowship that they had in the garden of eden and the next time we see the pillar of fire we see it in a burning bush so it may not have looked like this. You know, I kind of made two images in one here. We've got an emerald fire and we've got a, another fire that's burning. Whatever Moses saw, I always thought it was during the day, but maybe it was at night. But, but Moses, now he's, he's away from God. He's away from the plan of God. And God calls him out of that, uh, out of that uh, experience and tells him, take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. And in the, in the midst of that, Moses humbles himself to that voice. And as he humbles himself to that voice, and he has a real experience with that holy fire that's in the bush and not burning, all of a sudden, Moses is a changed man. The, the, the Egyptians that once troubled him, they don't trouble him anymore. And maybe the frustrations that he had in his home life or, or the frustrations that he had in his own personal failures, once God is done speaking to him, they don't trouble him anymore. Amen. Moses is steadfast. He's unshakable. And, and he, there's nothing that can push him aside. Yeah. Isn't that exactly how Adam was in the Garden of Eden? The Bible says there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels uh, had war against Luce, uh, Lucifer, and, and Satan was cast down, and he was cast down into the earth, and it was right there in the Garden of Eden, but it wouldn't matter what Satan did in the Garden of Eden, there was nothing that could change the atmosphere in Adam's, uh, you know, around Adam. He was perfectly settled with what God gave him. So Satan, he was a prince of the power of the air, and he might have tried to, 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 to cause some turbulence or some storm, but it didn't change Adam's attitude one bit. It didn't, it didn't unsettle Adam at all. And, and so, you know, I'm just bringing these things to our remembrance of, of what it is that makes a difference in our life. And, and what it is that brings us to our rightful inheritance, it's this same holy fire. And once Moses had an experience with that, he was just, uh, though, though he dealt with all sorts of troubles and all sorts of ideas and, 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 and everything went different ways, but Moses was never, almost never changed. In, in who he was and how he served God. Yeah. 
He was just settled. And God wanted that same type of fellowship and to, and to settle the, the, the called out ones in Israel the, just as much as he had settled Moses and he desired the same presence. And, but that holy fire can't be present where there's sin. So God desired fellowship with his people, but they did not desire to, to be free from, from the, the effects of sin in their life. They desired Moses to speak and not, not them, and they desired a law and not God's grace. And so God just settled behind a, a, uh, a tabernacle in the wilderness in the most holy spot. God settled there. And that particular place where he settled was called the most holy place. And in that most holy place, we know that there was, a, there was the pillar of fire residing. And the conditions in that holy place, they never changed. So when we, when we look at the, uh, the, the conception of how this tabernacle that Moses was instructed to build and he was instructed to build it after the pattern of what he saw in heaven and so Moses he built a an outer court here with a great ring around it that was uh, the believer entered in here to worship and here is where they offered their sacrifices and my, the, the, the wind could blow in and the dust could get on the sacrifice and the rain could come down and, and things would get a little bit muddy and um, the hot sun could make some feel uncomfortable. The, 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 the atmosphere in there changed. It was subject to the outside elements. And that's where most of the believers that were called out in Moses, that's, that's all they experienced was just a, a hot and a cold experience. Depends on what was happening outside. That's, that's how they were doing. But there was a ministry that was called to go beyond there. And they were called to go into this holy place. And there they could offer the, the ordained sacrifices. And because there was a roof over that. Like I'm showing it cut away. The way one, one uh, artist cut it away. In, inside of there now. The conditions became more settled. If the dust was blowing outside. There was no dust inside. If it was raining outside. They, it wasn't raining on the inside. And so the conditions in there became a little bit more settled. And, uh, but, you know, if, if the wind blew strong enough, it might blow the, the candles stand out. Or it, it might be cold in there. So they kind of, uh, it wasn't the same as outside, but it wasn't completely unsettled either. But then once a year, the high priest could go in here where the most holy place was. And the most holy place was a place of life. The most holy place was a place that never changed. God was always there. And, and, and uh, holiness was always there. And uh, peace was always there. Life was always there. When they put in the, the showbread in there, it was preserved. There, it, it went rotten within a day on the outside. But in there, it never changed. 
And when, and when they had a challenge and they said, Who, whose rod will God choose? You know, which, which family will God honor? Maybe he'll honor everyone. And Moses became un, under inspiration. He said, let every elder put forth a rod. And the rod that God chooses, that'll be the one that, that God has put his identification in. And all the elders agreed to do that. And they put them, all those rods, in here where the pillar of fire was. And then... And then these, these wooden rods, these wooden staffs that represented each tribe, there was one that came out that was budding, and that was Aaron's. There was life in there. If it met the right conditions, there was life in there. It could bring life out of something that looked lifeless, it, it, that looked like it had no hope. But in the presence of the pillar of fire, it could produce life. So we see this pillar of fire, it, it, it made such a difference in the testimony of Moses and such a difference in the testimony of, of Israel, and it separated, uh, it, it, it settled those that had been in that presence. And then the pillar of fire one day met Paul. And he was struck on the road to Damascus. And he cried out, seeing a bright light from heaven shine around him. He says, Lord, who art thou? And the voice said, I am Jesus. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. God had been pricking his heart. God had been dealing with him. And here was a man. Here's one artist's conception. Here was a man. He was actually God's enemy before this. He was trying to persecute the church. He was trying to stop Christianity. He was, he was, uh, he certainly believed in social distancing. He was an enforcer of it. And he was hailing them and putting them in prison uh, for not, you know, not complying with the, with the, the Sanhedrin council and all, all that they wanted. And so he had, he was going one way, but then he met the pillar of fire and he started going a completely different way. And he became so settled. He became so established in who he was. Later on, when conditions changed and, and questions arose and people went here and there, Paul was one who never changed. And when the pressure comes on today and, and questions come up and surprises happen, we need that same kind of a holy fire experience deep down in our hearts so that, so that we are just as uh, anchored in who, who God is and who, what he means in our life as he was. And I, and I just, just be patient here because Paul now, he becomes established And we'll turn in our Bibles, I think it's in 2 Corinthians. Let's read a scripture here. This might seem out of place, but I trust you'll just have grace with me tonight. It's in 2 Corinthians 12. Maybe you'd even just put it, if you, yeah, turn, turn in your Bibles to it. I've got, I don't have it on the, on the PowerPoint. 2 Corinthians 12, be very good to read. 
In verse 1, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it's not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, not of myself, I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. And so Paul has this experience, and and why am I bringing in this experience? Because when Paul was caught up into the third heaven, I don't know what he witnessed, but I I know when the artist tried to capture it, he captured this great picture of what, you know, things that are perfect look like. Paul was caught up into some place that was perfect. He was caught up into some place that it was perfect fellowship. That was just all life. It was all joy. It was beyond health and and happiness. It It was supreme. There's where Paul was, and when he came down from that experience, nothing could shake him. Nothing could move him. When he heard that, that, when he had that experience and heard that mystery that lay in that third heaven, he came back down knowing what man would possess. And, and, and no matter what kind of a plan Satan tried to produce and introduce into his life, it just never faced Paul. Yeah. Who's this? Probably many of us could guess. Does anyone want to try? Who? Paul and Silas. I'm hearing, I mean, that's Paul and Silas. How do we know it's them? Because there were two that were thrust down into prison after being beaten, and they began to sing and praise God at midnight, though they were in stocks, though they were uh, persecuted unjustly, they didn't deserve any of this, and they were, uh, they were mistreated, and they were stuck in prison. But though Satan had boxed them into a prison, there was something so real on the inside Paul didn't look at his stocks. Paul didn't look at the unfairness of the situation. He didn't look at what the other brothers had that were in their freedom and their other things. He just began to praise God because there was something on the inside that was so rearranged. It didn't look at the problem. It looked at the peace of God that had been put on the inside. He looked at who God had made him and what he had, and he began to praise God. And it brought such an atmosphere into that prison. We know that God was so moved, it shook the very prison, and the doors burst open, and their stocks were, were broken off, and, and the prisoners were loosed, and the gate and the prison keeper came rushing in. Uh, at, well, at first he wanted to uh, end his life because he thought he would be judged for letting the prisoners free. And Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the Holy Spirit is so present, it begins to convict this jailer. 
the, the holy fire that was down on the inside of Paul. They showed him these mysteries. It was such a reality to him. Though Satan tried to discourage him, couldn't get Paul's eyes off the promise. And when, and when the jailer came and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe, and thine and thine household shall be saved. There was such grace in that, uh, in that prison cell that evening that the jailer's whole family got salvation. And Paul was released. Now, who's this? It's a different experience. It's a different man. We, don't, we, we could make our estimate of who it might be, but this is one artist's thought. This is John. John was also thrust in the prison. And we know that after a period of time, he began to wonder, are you he or do I look for another? Do we look for another? John began to go through his situation and began to question, have I run this race in vain? Have I, have I missed the mark somewhere? And, and John, in this experience, another one, we, I don't know if he did this. He might never have done this, but one, when he tried to, de to, to depict who John was, he said, here's John looking up and saying, Lord, I'm in here. What did I do? What was pleasing to you? Did I do what was right? Did I, did I, inter did, did I fulfill my commission? You know, John had questions. And, and, and he, he sent his disciples to go ask Jesus, and Jesus began to say to, to, to uh, his disciples, he says, go tell John that the, you know, the, the lepers are healed, and, and the blind eyes are opened, and, and salvation is preached. And, and he began to testify to John what was happening in the ministry, and it, and it went back, and it, it satisfied him. And Jesus began to declare, there was never a man born of a woman like John. He was such a rugged man. In himself, he had such a, a hold on who he was and, and, and such a, a purpose that he was to fulfill. You know, Brother Branham would say, even from nine years old, he was set to fulfill that purpose. He had stayed in the wilderness and, and, and just stayed with God. But even though from a baby in the womb of his mom, she'd been filled with the Holy Ghost, from, from a youth, and he'd been consecrated, and he'd been a rugged man. There's no experience he had met the pillar of fire like Paul did. So when he got in the midst of the prison, when the troubles came up, John began to wonder, have I missed the mark? So let me say, brother, sister, our mom might have had the Holy Ghost. Our dad might have had the Holy Ghost. But if we don't have an experience with the holy fire, the holy ghost in fire, something's going to come our way and we'll be shaken. We'll be unsettled. 
And, and as great a faith as John had, we're, we might have good faith. We might, have, we might have had God do special things for us. But as great a faith as he had, he wondered if he'd run the race in vain. Now think about the next time Paul ends up in prison. He can't have no more church for years. There's no more healing, though many mighty miracles had done, with, done in Paul. There's this one and that one going all sorts of different ways. At one point he says, all men have forsaken me. And his ministry, he no longer could ministry. He no longer could visit the different saints. Satan had him boxed in. Satan thought he had his claws on him. Satan thought he was grinding him down in that prison. But there was something on the inside. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't discourage him. He was sitting there in a damp, dark stinky cell and he was writing the inspired word of God to feed our souls Satan thought he had him lonely and he had the pressure on him and he had people missing the mark and he had trouble over here and trouble over there and health and all these kind of things but Paul had such a revelation of what God had given him it didn't faze him And if God is so welcome in our soul, trouble might come, questions might come, weaknesses might show up, loved ones might go wayward, pressures might come on, but if the holy fire has got its resting place, We'll just keep pressing forward. Amen. We won't be discouraged. We know God promised through all of these, he'll make a way of escape. And that there's no trial that is greater than what we can bear. But God on the inside, he'll transform. He'll give us another brooding of that presence. Transform the weaknesses and the fears that, that want to discourage our faith and want to discourage the, the freedom and the happiness that we have in Jesus Christ. Satan will want to box us in. But let's remember that we have a God who's promised to be with us and never forsake us. He promised to watch over us from on high. And when the artist thought of Paul, and there he is, maybe abandoned for years, and maybe never hearing from anyone, and, and the Jews had forsaken him, and he can't reach, the, he can't reach his church, and he's, all sorts of uh, reports of difficulty. Paul just looking up to heaven. One artist just thought of Paul. There he is up in heaven, just praying. My time on here might draw an end. But death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Paul had that experience in the Corinth before 14 years before he wrote to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians was long before he ended up in the Jerusalem prison. 
So my, my purpose in saying that is to say he experienced a little piece of what Adam experienced in the Garden of Eden. And his testimony after that was it wouldn't matter how much Satan poured it on him, how much things turned out unexpectedly. Here, here, John was raised up. Just think of the comparison. And I just stay there for a minute. John was raised up from his birth to serve the Lord. And I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying God left that testimony stand to say that's how much we need a, a real spiritual nature change on the inside because John, from a boy, was going to serve God. From a boy was going to fulfill his purpose. And a, a, never a rugged man like him. But when Satan boxed him in, Satan got him, got him looking down and got him wondering. Paul started off the very enemy to God. Very wayward. God's enemy. But when God turned him around and did such a work on the inside... No matter what Satan did at the other, uh, after that, Satan couldn't discourage him. Amen. And God's given us a book that has been opened. And when the book was opened, heaven began to declare Thou hast redeemed us. What was the redemption? What Adam originally had in the beginning. Adam had a dominion. Adam had a harmony. He had a love. He had joy unspeakable and full of glory. He had a, he had a, a, a communion line with the heavenly father. Adam had that. And when the book was open, God redeemed us back to that. He brought us back to that, that same holy fire that it's not going to transform what's on the outside because the holy presence of God, this atmosphere is still filled with sin and holy fire won't be present where there's sin. But where the blood has been applied, the holy fire has a place to burn bright. And if that holy fire can, can, can give a witness it's such a point that, that it, it does such a work. The same troubles that maybe troubled us and, and may, maybe got us discouraged and maybe got us uh, wondering, those th same things won't have the strength to trouble us anymore. So mom might get up tomorrow. Doesn't feel great. Baby's upset. What do we do? But the Holy Ghost wants to be present. And it wants to give a harmony and a freedom in the midst of maybe a health trouble and a, and a family trouble. And the youth might wonder, what am I supposed to be doing anyhow? This is boring. I don't like it. That may happen this week. But if we get 
into the mind of God, there is a presence of a holy fire that can change our attitude from something that I don't like this, what am I supposed to be doing, can change it to say, I know God is with me. And I may not have all the answers, but I know that the joy that's in me is, can see me through this situation. Amen. Might not be pleasant, but, but God wants to fellowship with the youth here. Amen. He wants to establish and, and, and be just as real in our testimony, in your testimony, as he was with the saints of old. And when this, I'm going to say, stupid homework piles up and you feel like this, but the holy fire of God did not come for us to just sit there and feel like this. He came to give us the key of how to handle Excuse me, the stupid homework. And whatever else we have to wade through and have to deal with, the presence of the holy fire gives us a different outlook. It gives us a different, uh, uh, a different atmosphere. This may be a little repetitive, but let me just say that that holy fire can be welcome in every soul. And is well, let, let him be welcome in every soul. And let him be cherished where he's, where he's made his abode. Let's just thank God for making a calm in a time of storm in our lives. And giving us blessed assurance in a time, a shaking time, in an Eden. Know that the soul is on the inside, just like the tabernacle that Moses saw uh, to build in the, in, the, in the Old Testament. Moses built the outer court, and then he had a, a covering, and in there, there was a spirit or, or there was a, most, a holy place, actually, in Moses' tabernacle, and then the Holy of Holies, and that three parts to the tabernacle is just like the three parts that, that, that we are. And our outside is a, is a natural man with natural senses. And the inside is a spirit man with five senses, feeling, conscious, memory, reasoning, imagination. And then on the inside of that is a soul. And that soul is meant to be sealed to the day of our redemption by our Lord and Savior, the presence of the Holy Ghost and fire on the inside. And that Holy Ghost and fire doesn't just want to settle us and seal us to our destination. It's there to burn bright so that our memory and our conscience and our, our reasoning and the troubles that would want to come our way, it wants to burn bright. That those things that once troubled us, trouble us no more. And I know you, I just want to rejoice in that tonight. That, you know, these things that I, is kind of a different side to the same problem. That it's now the time when Satan is being tormented. 
and how he, how he is, it's not by the strength of our own, pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and try to make it happen or, or just speak it, but it actually takes the presence of a holy one to be on the inside to make that transformation happen. It takes the presence of the strong one, the comforter, the, the one who promised to never leave us or forsake us. It takes his presence to bring that kind of an atmosphere to pass, to bring the fulfillment of his scripture to pass. So when, uh, oh, you know, man, I just rehearsed this just, just a little bit, just maybe for the, for the young ones, uh, man being a three-part being, uh, the soul, the body, the spirit, when that pillar of fire burns, it doesn't just want to settle our destination. It wants to settle our attitude. It wants to settle our temper. Imagine down in heaven, there's a few wanted posters. And the devils have got some ideas about what they want to throw at the elect. And they're having a conference down there, just as we might be having some good times in, in God's presence on Sundays and Wednesdays. They have their gatherings. And they've got some ideas about what they're going to pour on the church of the living God, what they're going to pour into believers' homes. The conversation might go like this. They think they got some title deed. I'll tell you what they, I'm going to give them. They don't got no title deed. I'm going to give them a temper. That's what I'm going to give them. Somebody give that one a cancer. And give that one a, a, a wayward, intellectual loved one. They say, yeah, they don't got no title deed. What they got is trouble. We'll give them trouble. But did the prophet say the title deed is now back in the hands of the bride? Did the, is it now the hour of our redemption? There once was a time when the redemption had not taken place. Before they sung a new song, before the lamb came and take the book and loose the seals thereof, there was not a time of redemption. So Satan could come in and create a trouble that would, that would tear down souls and create a division and, and, and the denominational barriers and, and bind people by denominational doctrine to a, a halfway experience. But now, in the freedom of redemption, it doesn't matter what they're planning in hell. It doesn't matter how many times your face is plastered down there and what they think they can hand your way. You have been given the rights back to an atmosphere that this world can't give and this world can't take it away. Amen. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I was built with weakness. Sometimes the family brings out those weaknesses. And it took me to realize, Lord, what I need is your presence. Because if I get going, I am going to mess this up. If I get in my ideas, in my carnal ways, I'm going to lose these loved ones. 
What I need is you to help me, you to lead me. And that makes all, I don't know what, how things will go, but I know whatever happens, that will make the difference. That's the rock of ages that we need to hold on to. The shelter in a time of storm. I don't know what our day holds. What if it's this? This was a recent explosion. Maybe it won't be that, but it'll feel like that. It'll feel like some bombs went off. The boss is upset. We made a mistake. How are we going to deal with it? What's going to happen next? God doesn't want us to be unsettled under bondage. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And let that, that glory of the risen Savior just let it have its perfect way and rejoice in the God of our salvation. Whether, whether we have to deal with feeling deserted, everything falling apart, but if the same pillar of fire will start brooding, the same pillar of fire will start moving. It might be without form and void for a season. But God will make a transformation. God can make a transformation. He can at least transform our attitude and transform our revelation to be at rest. What a blessed Savior we serve. Marvelous, wondrous love. As Brother Branham said in the Easter seal, you're submissive to his word. The, con the, the contract exactly, the abstract to the contract, the title deed belongs to you. The debts are all paid. It's all struck off. And as it was at the day of Pentecost, the title deed belongs to you. That original deed that was given to Adam, that original deed is the believer's inheritance today. We don't have authority to see that pillar of fire transform the external. We have authority to welcome it in the inner man. And there the Holy Spirit delights in seeing the working of the work of God. And God, that redemption. Do you believe in redemption? If you believe in redemption, then you believe you have a right to what Adam possessed. You have a right to that kind of a atmosphere of love and that atmosphere of fellowship and that atmosphere of life. You have a right to that. If we, if we believe in redemption, that's what it means, that we have that back. And I, I know you believe that, but I'm just stirring up our minds by remembrance to say, this is what God has given us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Nothing could shake Paul. I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not for me only, but for all those that love is appearing. Sounds like he's on the top of the world. In Christ, he is. In the natural, if he got his eyes on the problem, he's got all sorts of things to look at. All sorts of reasons to be depressed or to be discouraged or to feel it was unfair. But he never let Satan's whispers shake him from who he was. Amen. He possessed a mystery that was revealed to him. And we have a mystery of a seven-seal book that has been revealed to us. The voice of God in those thunders speaking love secrets, his mind to you and I. Blessed be his name. What shall separate us? Think of the one who wrote this. The one who spent his final years in prison, unjustly accused, ill-treated, in peril from countrymen, in peril from beasts, in peril from shipwrecks, all sorts of things. And then he writes, ah, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? It was a reality that he was rejoicing in. And no matter what Satan does here, nothing's going to separate me from the love of my God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, shall tribulation? No, that didn't do it. Distress? No, that didn't do it. Persecution? No, it didn't separate me. Famine? No. Nakedness? Peril? Sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things, we are made more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! This is the mind of God for our day. This is the mind of God for our testimony. Nothing will separate us. Would it surprise us if we find ourselves boxed in? Would it surprise us if we find us things happen unexpectedly, maybe disappointing to the natural eye? God is allowing somebody to be tested. That the pillar of fire will burn bright in the inner man. And that it will be welcomed. And do the works of God. Great, and I, I said I had a way of saying this back home. It was kind of rough, so you, excuse me. It just deals with me this way. Sometimes I wonder today if there's too many that have a Jonah experience. And what I mean by that is Jonah had incredible faith. He gets stuck in the belly of a whale, and he says, once more I'll look to your holy temple. These are lying vanities around me. And he had such faith that God spit him out on the ocean, 
uh, uh, from the ocean and spit him out on shore. And he had such a gift in his life. He brought such a revival. He had a few hundred souls get saved. And then he sat down and got angry. And got, got displeased with the Lord when the Lord questioned him about it. So what I'm saying is, I wonder, I don't want us to have all these wonderful testimonies. Oh, God did this for me, and God did this for me, and God did that, and I have faith for this, and I saw that. And have an attitude? And be miserable? God did not call us to a Jonah experience. God called us to a pillar of fire experience. God called us to come to spots where, where it might be that it's displeasing to the natural man, and Jonah had his reasons for thinking that, but, but God called that this pillar of fire, it can't be put up or shut up or, or closed up or discouraged up. God made this pillar of fire that it would do a transforming work. So Paul as I look and I compare his testimony to these great men of God, I would cherish their testimony perhaps to, to know the experience and the reality the way they did. But God gave us something precious. He gave us redemption. He gave us the authority, the, 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 the title deed to be our possession in the inner man. And I believe Paul could write of it and he could say, about his weakness in his eyes and the Lord telling him, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When Paul recognized he had trouble here and trouble there, he had to hold on to who God made him that much more. And when he held on to what God made him in the presence of God and the experience of God in his life, it made the inner man strong. In the midst of the distresses, in the midst of the persecutions, in the midst of the personal weaknesses, when I'm weak, when he realized he didn't have it in himself, but that pillar of fire became so welcome in my weakness, I hold on to what God made me. In my weakness, I hold on to the experience that God gave me. And I welcome his presence. In my weakness, I'm made strong. I'll glory in my infirmities. He didn't have an attitude, what's happening? Have you heard this? What's wrong? He didn't have that. He says, I'll glory in these situations because it makes me just go back to Almighty God who gave me this revelation of who I am and go back to him and say, Lord, let your spirit have its way in the midst of this turmoil. Let your spirit give me the right attitude and the right words to say. Oh, blessed be his name. All I say, brothers, it worked for me. It was a blessing to me. So it gives me joy to share it to you. 
it made me a better Christian. When I just began to realize God has given me these precious things. Began to realize it. You know, you hear it. and Maybe you believe it. Sometimes it's good to be reminded of it. God has given me these precious things. Why am I looking at the problem as the problem? Why am I letting myself be so shaken and so stirred when the joy of the Lord is present all around me? When the goodness of God is such a, an ever-present water from the rock? And I'm persuaded, height nor depth, any other creature, what can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord? And I'm excited to just share the goodness of God with you tonight. Why don't we stand? Should we worship the Lord together? Tell him we love him. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. A pillar of fire settled so many believers. It settled Daniel in the midst of the lion's den. It settled John on the Isle of Patmos. I think it settles young people today. It settles the single sisters today. It settles dads under pressure today. It settles the church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Oh, we are in your presence. Fill us with your
song I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away well I've got something that the world can't give and it keeps me day by day I've got something worth talking about it makes me sing and it makes me shout ever-abiding presence. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to just cherish the gift of Jesus Christ. The gift of the Holy Ghost that you've given to the elect. Lord, we pray for you continue to Shine the light of your word in this lighthouse. Strengthen those that are so diligent with the things of God and just about the Father's business and their different capacities. I pray that you'd encourage them. I pray that you would inspire them, Father, in the servants of God, the ministry that's here. May they just break the bread of life continue to be that standard hold the standard of your word father strengthen the ministering brothers strengthen the church father thank you for the lives of the believers pray that as we leave this place oh god you would just be free to brood in our midst and you would you would be welcome in our Mondays, welcome in our weariness, welcome when the distractions come our way. But, oh God, may there be that deep calling within says there's something better than what this world has. There's something more rich. There's something more sweet. Father, I know we fight a fight of faith, but we pray that the overcomer, the, the strong one, would bring us through the deep waters bring us through the trials of life and father bring us into that rapture day lord we just appreciate this time of fellowship and pray that the presence of god would be so in the homes that were dedicated to hear the word of god tonight may be sacrificed so someone else could be in the house of God. Bless them, Father. Keep them, we pray. And Lord, 
we just look to you, our all in all, praying that you would continue to show your good works and your faithfulness as you promised you would. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, brother, sister, for all your, your kindness. And God bless you. Be praying for you. Turn the service to Brother Ed. Bless you. Amen. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Keep me oil in my lamp. There's some ingredients necessary for a fire to burn. So I, I believe we have to do our part. The Holy Spirit, God has always identified himself in a pillar of fire with every exodus. First exodus and the second exodus. And so he has in this last one. It's, that's God's doing. You know, we know it's water, blood, and, and a birth, spirit. But that birth is characterized with fire. Fire does something water cannot do. Fire transforms elements. Right. It, it, it restructures, it puts it together, and it does something. I'll tell you what, you know, we, we live in, Brother Man would talk, the age of painted fires. I, I had an apartment out east in a little place, and they had, said it, they advertised it with the fireplace. And I got there, well, you turned a switch on and it was like glowing embers and it was, there's no fire there. That wasn't a fireplace. I, we're, we're living in a time when, you know, now it's dark and you can have a fire. and It's nothing worse than sitting too far away from the fire or just having little embers and not getting warm by it. I, I, you know, you can, you can invite the Holy Spirit. Trim your lamps. Get everything right. and let, let God deal with us. He wants to deal with us. I, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. I, I've never seen the pillar of fire. There's, there's people that, that are gifted. They could see that. But if you could look in the other dimension, 
Has the pillar of fire ever drawn nigh to you? Come nigh in you? Come into your being? I, I can't see that. And like, like Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And I'll tell you, you can see the effects of the fire of God. Oh, Brother Menno, don't you long to see that? When you see people that are changed or something has happened within. Brother Branham's preaching a message. A man running from the presence of God. I'm listening to that tape and somewhere through the end of that service there's a sister, you can hear her in the tape. She starts weeping and crying and and then she's at the altar. And Brother, it doesn't faze Brother Branham at all. Now he, he... he, he's going and he's going on talking and then he says, and he says, oh, and you can hear him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And he says, and then he says at the end, he's just closing, oh, don't you feel better now, sister? Oh, he says, I love to see them born like that. That's the way it was in the old times. When you see a birth, it brings a reverence. It brings a purity. And even for the believer that's been born again. I'll tell you what, we need that cleansing fire. Oh, I, I, I desire that. I want that kind of blessing. We're going to close the service. But let's, if you want that, you can have it. Because the pillar of fire is here. Amen. I want that kind of blessing when Jacob met the Lord. When Jacob met the Lord upon that lonely night and wrestled there alone until the morning light, he won a princely title to gird him for the right. I want that kind of blessing.
And this time, the pillar of fire that's come, it came in the first exodus, it came in the time when Jesus and Paul was there in the second. But this time, that pillar of fire will lead us into a millennium. That's the holy fire. Amen. I believe he's here. Amen. Amen. As we close and just change the atmosphere, peace of God, peace of God. And then we'll have a word of prayer. Peace of God, cover me. Cover me. Cover me. Oh, peace of God, cover me. Peace of God, cover me.